motorboat to get here. But I'm glad I am here. I want us all to stand. We'll be reading from Genesis 1 and 1, and then Exodus 20 and 11. Genesis 1 and 1, that's the first book of the Bible for every Bible scholar in here that's keeping up with it. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Wow. What a way to start everything off in this book right here. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Exodus 20 and 11. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. I want to preach just for a little while on it. It's going to be wonderful there. Come on, it's going to be wonderful there. I want you to lift your hands and I want you to begin to thank Him for that, that city that He's built for you. I want you to begin to thank Him for that home eternal that He has for you. God, I need you, Jesus. I need you to touch my mind, my voice, and my body. Come against any spirits that are not of you. I rebuke them right now in Jesus' name. By the authority of the Word of God and the power that's in your name, Jesus. I speak the word of faith. Move upon us, God. Let the gifts of the Spirit operate in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Heaven. It's got a good ring to it, doesn't it? What does heaven mean to you? In most of our minds and in the minds of the world and in most of the societies and cultures of this world, heaven is a place of perfect peace and tranquility and with no sorrow. Boy, that sounds good right there. No pain. The close, Every day I get up with a new kind of pain in my 50s. I used to just hop out of my truck. Now I push the door open, and I do one of these numbers. I'm so glad for that bar I got because I stand there for a minute. And I don't jump down, Brother Mac, I ease down. No more pain. No more goodbyes. Some of the hardest days of my life have been saying goodbyes. As I walk by the casket of my father, my sister, and my grandson, it's a place where our loved ones who have briefly passed through this short vapor of a life are in perfect peace. Guess what? They're waiting on us to come and join them. In a world where tension and strife are the norm. And sorrow and grief are an everyday occurrence. Come on, heaven is hoped for. Heaven is dreamed about. Wars and rumors of wars abound. 
We live in a society where men have unnatural affection for men and women have unnatural affection for women. And it's not only accepted now, but it is trying to be pushed upon us through politics, through the government, come on, through our schools. I thank God every day for every church that has a school. Famines. Famines all over the world. There's droughts, genocides, terrorism that's wanting to get all the Easter worshipers. Now, what is that? And it's in the papers. Every news outlet that's available. Heartaches. Disappointments. Finances gone bad. Strife in our homes and our families that leave us heartbroken and anguished, sometimes even depressed, and longing for a peace and a tranquility and a rest. I don't know about you, but trials seem to follow trials. Disappointments, they guess what? Follow disappointments. Sickness is followed by more sickness and heartaches are followed by heartaches. Just when you come out of one valley with your mind and your body and your soul aching, instead of a mountain to rest upon and be revived, there's another trial. There's another painful valley that you have to toil through. But you see, we're apostolic people, and we have faith. So we put on the whole armor of God. So you know what we do? We just keep on walking. We just keep on putting one painful foot in front of the other painful foot. And we just press on, knowing that at the end of this life, knowing that at the end of our journey, it's going to be worth it all. Come on, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up. You see, I've got a promise. Even though it seems like everything is against me, God is on my side. Come on. God has never left me. He's never forsaken me. In the darkest depths of night, my God is there. When my enemies are attacking me from every front, my God is there. Come on. When the devil tries to assail me, my God is there. He said, even if I make my bed in hell, that he's going to be there. I know heaven's my goal. But right now, I'm in the struggle. Come on, I know eternal life is my finish line. But it's right now that I'm in the battle. Come on, the Bible says, I will lift up mine eyes. Unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Now I know at times it seems like we're a long way from heaven. In fact, it may seem like you're in hell. But guess what? God is there. He loves us. He keeps us. 
I don't rely on the things of this world. I rely on the Lord. Because he not only made heaven where my goal is. Come on, he made the earth. I know this world is trying to wear me down. Sometimes it doesn't seem like I'm going to make it. That's when I look to God and he reaches down from heaven. He begins to fight my enemies. He begins to strengthen me. I know where to run when I'm at my wit's end. I know who to cry out to when I can't seem to find my way. Come on, he's my food when I'm hungry. He's my water when I'm thirsty. He's my shield. He's my buckler. He's my shelter that I can run into. Psalm 124 and 8 says, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. You see, my help is from the Lord. He comforts me when I'm lonely. He calms me down when the fears of life have surrounded me and tried to bring me down to my knees. He lifts me up and He even carries me through the toughest and hardest times of my trials because my help is in the name of the Lord. And that name is Jesus. When I speak His name, demons begin to tremble. At the mention of His name, sickness has to flee. When I speak His name, heart disease has to leave. When I speak His name, diabetes has to flee. When I speak His name, Mountains begin to move and go run and jump into the sea. Come on, the name of the Lord is my strong tower. When it seems like the world is against me, you know what I do? Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I begin to call on his name. He's my Savior. Come on, he's my Savior. He's my Jesus. When I was a boy, which seems a long time ago, I mean, I remember when we used to have comic books. Sergeant Rock, Sergeant Fury. You see what kind I read. I wasn't much on Jughead. Little wimpy guy named Archie. But we used to hear sermons preached about heaven. We used to sing songs about heaven. Because times were such that heaven was always on our minds. I mean, we were so poor, somebody broke in our house and we mugged him. We had nothing. We ate cereal with a fork so the other guy could have some milk. You see, times were such that heaven was always on our mind. Now we live in an age where you better be politically correct because you don't want to offend anybody. Someone gets offended if you preach about sin. I didn't write the book. I just preach what's in the book. 
It's even made its way into some of our apostolic pulpits. We drive around in the nicest cars, wearing the latest fashions. This suit used to fit. Yeah, it shrunk on me. And unless all hell has been unleashed upon us, heaven isn't really that far from our mind. It's really a long ways away, isn't it? We want to go to heaven, right? Just not today. Wait a little longer, sweet Jesus. We want Jesus to come back. Not today. My granddaughter said, well, I hope Jesus waits to come back till you pay for my college. I said, that makes me want him to come back now. We try to sugarcoat sin and make the Word of God fit in our seeker-friendly, politically correct sermons. So the biggest givers and tithe payers don't get offended and leave. Come on, I've seen it. I never read in the Bible where the sheep go and find another shepherd. The sheep never pick the field that they're eating from. Come on. I get tired of hearing this. Well, I don't know if I'm getting fed there. Yeah, you just ain't eating. That's your problem. Just because you get upset when you hear something you don't like or you see something that doesn't fit and what you think it should be doesn't give you the right to question. Come on, I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is speaking to me. Or go against the man of God. If you're not careful, you keep attacking the man of God and his family and you're going to be lost. You'll be just as lost as the junkie, the crackhead, come on, the Satanist, the witchcraft. And you'll not only be lost yourself, but you'll plant seeds in your family and cause them to be lost. Come on now more than ever before. We need to tell the man of God, preach it. Because if we're going to make it, it's because a man of God walks up to this pulpit unctioned by the anointing of the Holy Ghost and he begins to preach, thus saith the Lord. So heaven really isn't on our minds until we're going through hell. When that trial is almost more than you can bear. Or that sickness, well that's the one that'll get you. Has you facing your mortality. Then we really start wanting to be right. To go to heaven. You see 551 verses. Don't you love Brother Google and Sister Siri? I mean, yeah, I couldn't have counted all them verses. I'm just, you know, thank God for that Bible app I got. 583 times. See? Heaven is mentioned in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelations. Or in other words, from the beginning to the end, heaven is at the forefront in our Bibles. Listen, I want you to know that there is a place that Jesus has prepared for us.
Come on, there's a place where there'll be no more sorrow. Come on, there's a place where he will wipe every tear from our eyes. There's a place to rest from all this weariness that we've done gone through in this life. Come on, sometimes I close my eyes and I try to imagine what it will be like, but my human mind just can't totally comprehend the beauty and the majesty of heaven. John 14 and 1. Not your heart be troubled, but ye believe in God, believe also in me. Because in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Come on, I have a promise. I have a promise of eternal life. I have a promise of being with Jesus forever and ever and ever. Because one of these days, I'm going to shake off this mortal body. And I'm going to step into an immortal body. Hallelujah. When I was about 10 or 11 years old, my father was preaching in Annapolis, Maryland for Brother Chester Wright. Little shy backwards guy. We were in a revival for several weeks. We witnessed many, many miracles in that revival. Many demons were cast out during that revival. People were baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, I've always been a dreamer. I know that's a song. <laughs> but I have been. And my dreams are vivid. I dream every night, many times. Sometimes I dream, get up, and go right back into my dream when I go back to sleep. Anybody do that? See? Sometimes they're comforting. Sometimes they're a little bit spooky. Or as my grandson used to say, fooky. He'd say, Papa, that's fooky. And I remember most of my dreams, at least I think I do. And the Lord speaks to me in dreams. I have seen many of my dreams come to pass just as the Lord gave them to me. Now, one night I, while we were in Annapolis, I had a dream that was so real that even after 40 plus years, I still remember every detail. In my dream, I was walking up this hill toward a massive city, and it was surrounded by this white light, very bright white light, and I was drawn to this place. And I could vividly remember as I walked up to the gates of the city, I looked and the walls were in layers of the most beautiful stones that I'd ever seen. Each layer had a level of radiance that began to shine and was breathtaking. I counted them in my dream. And I walked up to the entrance of this city. Now at the entrance, there was a massive, purest white gate that I'd ever seen. 
unlike any white that I had ever seen since or at that time. And what I noticed was this gate that I couldn't see, it didn't seem like I could see the top of it, was all in one piece, and it, and it shone with a brilliance. And there was this bright light that was emanating from this city. It was so brilliant and so pure, but it didn't hurt my eyes. I just wanted to look into it. And I was drawn to the warmth and the purity of this light. I remember standing at this gate with my arms and my hands raised as the warmth of this light engulfed me. I can feel it now, even as I tell you about it. And it surrounded me with the purest, purest happiness and joy that I've ever felt. And when the gates of this city opened, I could hear off in the distance the most beautiful choir singing the most beautiful songs and melodies. And I stepped in, and immediately I noticed the most beautiful and magnificent. I hate to use the word mansions, but they were mansions. Everywhere as far as I could see were these, I couldn't describe them, places of rest. The Taj Mahal in India wouldn't even come close to the grandeur and the beauty of what I was seeing. I can vividly remember looking down and I was standing on a transparent, pure gold street. So vivid and pure that it looked like that I could see forever down through this street. And I began walking down this beautiful street. And I began looking at all these beautiful mansions. And I could hear in the distance the heavenly choir. And I began to notice there was nobody in the mansions. Every place was empty. In the distance where it sounded like the choir was coming from was that warm, comforting, bright light, and I was beginning to be drawn to it. And as I got closer to this light, that's when I began to see people with their bodies shining everywhere. They were on their knees, and they were raising up, and they were bowing towards this light, lifting their hands in praise towards Jesus. I immediately woke up, and I began weeping and crying out loud because I didn't want to leave this place that I just visited. My dad come in there to check on me, and I started trying to describe to him what I had seen and what had happened. My dad opened up his Bible, and he sat down on the edge of my bed, and he began telling me of the 12 foundations of the walls. He began telling me of streets so pure that the gold was transparent, and he said, son, the reason why they were shining is because they had glorified bodies. My father told me that God had gave me a glimpse of heaven and not to ever forget what I saw and felt in that dream. I want you to know I never forgot that dream or the way I felt in my dream. Through 20 years of drug and alcohol addiction, I could never erase the memory of that dream from my mind. Even when on the outside, I was denying him on the inside, I could still remember with great detail this heavenly place that Jesus wanted to share with me. I've been in many near-death experiences and overdoses, and I would think this is it. It's over, and I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to see that city that I dreamed about until finally one day in a drug rehab, I repented of my sins. 
God filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he walked over and he wrote my name on one of those mansions. Now I can't wait to fall on my knees at his throne and thank him and praise him for all eternity. I want to run up to his feet, throw my crown at his feet, and fall down and begin to praise him. Abraham and Isaac made their journey to the top of Mount Moriah. Isaac is bound on the altar of sacrifice. And as Abraham is ready to plunge the knife into his only son, the Bible says it's a voice of an angel calling out from heaven that stops him. And then the angel of the Lord calls out to Abraham the second time. He calls out from heaven and he tells him of his blessings and how his seed is going to be multiplied. Then it's Abraham's grandson, Jacob, while sleeping with a rock for a pillow, sees angels ascending and descending on a ladder to heaven. Moses goes into the thickness of the cloud. God gives him the Ten Commandments. The Word tells us the people hear thunder and trumpets and become afraid. And God lets the people know that he is speaking to Moses from heaven. It was David's son Solomon after building the temple and the priest bring in the Ark of the Covenant. He kneels and he begins to bless the Lord and he lifts his hands towards heaven. Smoke fills the temple and the pillars begin to shake because God looks down from heaven and he begins to move into the temple. It was Elijah that was called to heaven by a fiery chariot. And when the mantle of Elijah Elijah falls on Elisha, it falls from the chariot coming from heaven. It's from heaven where the Lord looks down on us and he shows his mercy to all of his people that fear him because he has removed our transgressions from us. Psalms 103 and 8 says... The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward him that fear him. It's as far as the east is from the west. So far, hallelujah, hath he removed our transgressions from us. Then the psalmist says to give thanks to the God of heaven for his mercy endureth forever. We learn in Malachi, if we are faithful in our giving, in our tithing, and our offerings, God will open the windows of what? Heaven. And he will pour down a blessing on us that we can't contain. Then Jesus, God robed in flesh, comes preaching heaven. 
Over a hundred times in the Gospels, Jesus mentions heaven, preaching on the kingdom of heaven, seeking first the kingdom of heaven, how to pray to heaven. Matthew 6 and 9, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 16, he gives Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Then Acts 2, the Spirit of God comes from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. It not only fills the house, but it fills all of them with the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Acts 2 and 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Then Peter with the keys to the kingdom of heaven opens the door and preaches the plan of salvation. Acts 2 and 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Acts 4 says, There's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. Peter has a vision from heaven goes through the house of Cornelius and then he unlocks the door to the Gentile church and while Peter yet spake the Holy Ghost fell and they began to speak in other tongues what doth hinder them to be baptized we heard them speaking in tongues like us then he baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ then it's while on the road to Damascus to persecute the Christians. Saul is blinded by a bright light from heaven. Jesus speaks to him from heaven. This gospel is spread to the whole world. And John is on the Isle of Patmos. And is in the Spirit on the Lord's day. God begins to show him things that he is to come. He had a hard time comprehending what was going on. And everything that he was seeing. So he tries to write it down and tries to describe it as best he can. Revelations 21 and 1, it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her Husband, can I tell you, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is about to come back. 
Come on, we don't preach it like we should, but he's coming back. He could come back before our Friday night service. Come on, he could come back before we get home tonight. Come on, he could come back and then the revival's over and we're going to continue it in heaven. You can stay here for the Antichrist if you want. I got a Dodge and a trailer you can have, but I'm going to heaven. The Bible says he's coming back that look for his return. You go to looking for the Antichrist, that's who you're going to get. But I'm looking for Jesus. He can come back. That trump of God can sound. And I saw no temple therein. Verse 22. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. You see, there's a place that God has prepared for us. Brother Mac, there won't be no more tears. Come on. No more sickness. I'm so sick of seeing doctors. They go to all that school to tell me I need to lose weight. Stevie Wonder can tell I need to lose weight. All they do is try to place a fear upon you. But the worst thing that could happen is, guess what? I'm going to go to heaven. Come on. Come on. He's going to wipe all the tears from our eyes. He's going to be the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Come on, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. I can't wait to look upon his face, fall at his feet, thank him because I didn't deserve him. I was an alcoholic. I was a junkie. I was a crackhead. But he reached down into the depths of sin. He took an evil, hateful man and he pulled me out of sin. Revelations 22 and 20. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. You see, it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth every heartache. It's going to be worth every trial. Come on, it's going to be every time that you was lonely and your heart was aching. Come on, it's going to be every valley that you walked through. It's going to be worth every mountain that you stood upon. It's going to be every harsh word that someone has spoken to you. It's going to be worth every persecution. It's going to be worth every sickness. It's going to be worth every sorrow. Come on, it's going to be worth losing our loved ones. Because it's going to be wonderful there. I lost my father. I'd only been in church three years, and he was my anchor. My heart was broken. I heard him. His dad's gone. He probably ain't going to make it. You know how us apostolics are. Well, his daddy's gone. Won't be much longer now. Appreciate that word of faith. 
My sister passes away, dies of a massive heart attack in the church. Yeah, 42 years old. My grandson, we was at General Conference. My wife and I, my new family, my mother was there, and they were all up in the room, all them women getting dressed. Hard to imagine them being late. But she ain't here yet. <laughs> and see, my wife is slow. I love her. She didn't get her birthmark till she was eight. <laughs> Don't you be recording that. <laughs> my phone rings. And I answer it, and it's my son. And I can't even understand what he's saying. He's in such a panic. All I can hear is Charlie. That's my grandson's name. And I hear a man walk up and say, there's nothing else we can do. He's gone. I said, who's gone? He said, Charlie, just quit breathing. So I had to go up and tell my family. And I began to pray. I called Brother Huntley and had him meet me. I said, I can't go up there without you. And him and Sister Huntley and Brother and Sister Foster went up with me. Brother, Brother Huntley told my mother that her grandson was dead. I, I promise you, she ran up the wall screaming and just fell on the floor. We began to pray. I was heartbroken. I'm just going to tell you. I drove all the way back. We flew there, but I, had, I borrowed a car and drove back. Tears running down my face all the way to Little Rock. I did not understand what was going on. I walked in there to that funeral because I was going to have to speak at the funeral. And that casket was about this size right here. And I got there early, and I was there, and he just looked like a doll laying there. He didn't even look. I knew the coroner. He told me, there's, he said, listen, there's nothing nobody could have done. Sometimes they just quit breathing. Whew. I was weeping. Lord, how am I going to do this service? I seen the back of that place open up. Some of you don't want to believe this, but stuff like this does happen. And I seen this beautiful river that I couldn't see across. And next to that river was this massive tree. I don't think all of us together could have reached around that tree. And it reached way out over that river as far as I could see. And there was beautiful music from birds and every kind of fruit. And I looked on the banks of that river. My dad hated shoes. Hated them. And I looked and my dad was sitting there and he was in about his, looked about in his mid-30s. And he had his feet in the water. And sitting next to him was a young man, and I knew immediately that was my grandson, Charlie. They were just, look, they were kicking the water, smiling. You could tell they were just at a place of rest. They were waiting to go to that city off in the distance. And my father does this. He leans back behind my grandson, 
He said, hey, boy, we're fine. Take care of my family. Boom, gone. You know what I did? I hit my knees. I said, God, I'm so sorry. I've been holding animosity in my heart towards you because you took my dad and you took my family. But I've realized now that they are yours to start with. And I lifted my hands. I said, God, though you slay me, I'm going to trust in you. Because blessed be the name of the Lord. I still don't understand why God needed a four-month-old. But it's that they were his. And I know right now that they're in a place of peace. That's why you want to be baptized in Jesus' name. That's why you want to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because when you go down in his name, you are now his bride. Come on. You have put on his name. You begin to speak in other tongues because his spirit comes to live in you. I can see him right now walking up to a mansion, taking that sign and putting on there, boom, he's got your name on it. Because there's a new name written up in glory. Come on. And it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. Come on, I wonder if we could just begin to praise him for a moment. Come on, you feel him right now. Come on, I wonder, you know, you may be going through that trial right now. But can I tell you, heaven is waiting on you. Come on, you may have been heartbroken. You may have lost a loved one. But heaven is waiting on you. Come on, he's got a mansion there waiting on him. Come on, stand to your feet. Come on, he's got a mansion. Come on, every once in a while, we need to have a service where we just walk around and we thank him for heaven. I want us all to come down to the front. Come on, I'll put on my evangelist hat Friday. Well, I just got my trailer set up, me and the pastor in the rain. And I'm sitting on the front row thinking, dear Lord, what do you want me to preach? I walk to the back. Sit down. I said, God, I need you. He goes, tell my people, I got a place. Come on, get up close. Come on. I'm not going to pull out no rattlesnake or nothing. Come on. Come on up. Brother Mac, I love you. You know what? This could be it. The next time we see each other, I hope they got a boat and a rod and reel. <laughs> got to. Yeah, they got horses. But we could see each other on the other side. Come on, that trump of God could sound. And the Bible says that the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Sister Nicole, then we which are alive and remain. We're going to be caught up to meet him in the air. Come on, he's, me and Bryce aren't little guys, but he's going to take us on up, Brother Bryce. Come on. And we're going to be with Jesus forever and ever and ever.
Come on, no more sickness. No more sorrow. I'm afraid that sometimes we get so wrapped up in the cares of this world that we forget what he has done for us and what he has prepared for us. Come on, I want you to just begin to praise him now. Come on, just begin to thank him. Begin to thank him because he loved you enough to go and prepare a mansion for you. He said that where I am, there ye may be also.